it, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deacon, and we have more Chiefs and NFL talk for you and what we keep thinking is going to be a quiet offseason as we trudge ever further to training camp, but we still end up having things to talk about that are a lot of fun. So let's get to introducing the guys, and we will get to it. He's considering a career as a child support collector for the NFL. Sam Blacka is on the podcast. How are you, man? Good. I'm looking for a pretty heavy commission off of it because, man, they pay a lot of child support. One baby is plenty for this daddy. Jacob Allen is on the podcast. What's going on, man? Not much. I'm Noah Vander Holyfield. I think I'll just stick to one. And I am Sean Deegan, and I love titles. I've always loved titles, but the title of daddy can stay on the table where it belongs for me for the time being. So we have a lot to get to today. Surprisingly, what typically are the dregs of the NFL offseason where it's very, very quiet. First thing we wanted to quickly talk about a week ago, uh, as of today, we're recording this on Tuesday, July 6th. So exactly a week ago today, as we were recording, just completely missed this story and wanted to give it its due mention uh, that state of Missouri did create the Joe Delaney Memorial Highway. This is on the stretch of 435 near uh, Truman Sports Complex, um, which is close, obviously close to Arrowhead Stadium for those of you who have gone to the stadium. For those who don't know, uh, Joe Delaney was an incredibly promising talent for the Kansas City Chiefs, whose career and life were tragically cut short due to an act of heroism by him. He was out at a... uh, a park in uh, Louisiana and there were three children who were struggling in a what is referred to in this story as a water hole which was six feet deep and not necessarily meant for people to swim in. Uh, Delaney did not know how to swim but dove in after the children anyway. He was able to save one, save one of the children. Another child was rushed to the hospital but unfortunately passed away there and then the bodies of Joe Delaney and the third child were recovered from the from the the water hole that he had dove into it is not a a happy story he was able to help save the life of one child but it is one that is is a is a tough story in kansas city history joe delaney is a ring of honor member for the kansas city chiefs if you look at his stats you probably would have thought like he would have ended up being a ring of honor member anyway but his act of heroism is one that I, I think I think everybody in Kansas City thought should be in the Ring of Honor, and it was in the Ring of he was put into the Ring of Honor and is commemorated as a, a great chief. Um, we'll just go quickly around the horn. Obviously, want to give you guys a chance to give your thoughts. Jacob, I'll come to you here. Uh, Joe Delaney Memorial Highway on 435 near Truman Sports Park, a, a nice way to commemorate him, um, along with his obviously him already being in the Ring of Honor, but a, a nice way to remember him and and what he means to Kansas City. Yeah, great news. I mean, anytime you can honor honor an act of heroism, great, go for it. I mean, why do we need any more streets named after presidents or types of trees? I don't know. So name all the streets after heroes. Sam, uh, I want to obviously give you the floor. Um, Joe Delaney has a memorial highway on 435 right by Arrowhead Stadium. Um, give us your thoughts on it. Being a, a resident of Missouri, I feel I am allowed to say that Missouri doesn't get a lot right most of the time, but I think they got this one right. It's, it's real cool. I mean, this does show that there is a lot more to fo- than just football. Obviously, we're a football-centric podcast talking about the Chiefs specifically, but 
there's there's a lot more to to life than just talking about this. And Missouri has honored him correctly, and and obviously the Chiefs have continued to do so to continue his legacy. He's he's one of the great guys from from Chiefs history, and and just to give you an idea of the kind of player he was, for those who may not know, I do know we have some some people who listen to the podcast who are new to football. There's a quote in this story: Oilers defensive end and who ended up being a Hall of Famer, Elvin Elvin Bethea, was quoted as saying, I've played against the best, O.J. Simpson, Gail Sayers, Walter Payton, and Delaney ranks right up there with them. So just to give you an idea of the man and the player that we lost is a a tragedy, but a a wonderful way to commemorate what he meant to this city. So let's get to some actual football topics here. And this first one involves Nikhil Harry, and the New England Patriots. Now I know what you're thinking, Chiefs fans. Why in the hell would we talk about the Patriots on this podcast? Well, Nikhil Harry apparently has had it with the Patriots. So we're going to talk about him because that makes us happy when everyone's had it with the Patriots. He and his agent have formally requested a trade from the Patriots, essentially citing the stories on NFL.com. But his agent has cited that Nikhil has only had 86 targets in two seasons. Uh, Nikhil Harry, obviously a former first-round pick in 2019. Obviously, you would expect maybe more targets, more opportunities. Nikhil has been hurt a lot in those first two seasons. Maybe hasn't had the chance to make an impact that you might want. And he's looking for a fresh start at this point. The reason we wanted to bring this up is we have talked at nauseum about the ex-wide receiver position for the Kansas City Chiefs. Nikhil Harry would fit that beautifully. 6'4" little over 220 pounds. Combine numbers, he was running a 4.5240 with a 38.5 vertical jump. Did not run, run the short area quickness drills, so not a whole lot to go off in terms of his athleticism there. But he, this is another guy that if you were Brett Beach, this seems like the kind of move that he's consistently made. Look at high round picks, first and second rounders who have underperformed, bring them in and see what they have left to offer, or if maybe just a change of scenery is all they need. So we wanted to go around the horn and just get everyone's opinion. Would you make a move for Nikhil Harry and try to fit him into your offense as an X receiver? Sam, I'll come to you first on this one. Yeah, I mean, if you want to give him to me for a seventh round pick, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Now, I, I can't speak – I've never really watched Nikhil Harry. I can't say that I've gone in and broke down his film. But usually when, when you're not getting targeted, there's a, a pretty good reason for it. There, there's usually aspects to the way you play that are not correlating well to get you the ball in the first place. So, obviously, he hasn't had the most stellar quarterback play in his time at, at New England – just in general, uh, specifically, obviously, his last year with Cam. But I just – I'm probably the one out of all of us that has been pounding on the door for a big physical wide receiver, and I know that. But I just wanted – I want to give you guys some stats because it's always fun to compare players, especially to ex-Chiefs players. And I want to compare him to a one Jonathan Baldwin. Because in 2011, Jonathan Baldwin's rookie year, He had 21 receptions for 254 yards. Compare that to 12 receptions for 105 with the kill Harry. Jonathan Baldwin's second season, 20 receptions, 325 yards. The kill Harry, 33 receptions, 309. 
They are both 6'4". They both weigh 225 pounds. I don't need another Jonathan Baldwin in my life as a Chiefs fan. And that's what he kind of is looking like he's shaping up to be. So, again, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, he can bring out the best in almost any player. But unless I'm getting him for pennies at this point, I don't think it's, it's worth trading for him. Wow, that hurt me inside hearing Jonathan Baldwin's name. Uh, Jacob, what about you? Uh, would you make a move for Nikhil Harry uh, now that his agent has formally requested a trade? We've been talking about Jonathan Baldwin so much. We're going to owe him money just like NBC owes us money. But We can just endorse the check. Yes. Just send it on over. <laughs> exactly. We'll just scratch our name off of it and send it right to Jonathan Baldwin. I'm sure he needs it at this point. His, uh, his decision-making skills weren't great to pick a fight with the wrong guy. I don't even know that I would trade for him because I wouldn't want to give up any compensation for a guy that I think is going to get cut in one season. I don't think they'll cut him this year, but they will cut him next year. It could happen this year, too. I, As many players as they brought onto that squad this year, guys that can catch the ball, I could see them being like, we don't really need this guy anymore that hasn't worked out for us. Another thing as far as this one goes is, it could be tricky because you t- when you get a guy that hasn't produced in the NFL, you then go back to, what did this guy do in college? He had two 1,000-yard seasons in college, but that can be misleading because when you're that big and you have good speed in college and you're playing in, at the time, the Pac-12 was not great. He played out of Arizona State for a minute, doesn't know. It can be misleading because you, you get to – bolster your staff to just I'm going to run down the field fast and then he went to the Patriots which is a system that wasn't going to work for him because Tom Brady did not throw the ball down the field anymore Tom Brady lives in the flats and in the middle of the field because he knows how to he's game the system but again I wouldn't even trade for him just because I don't think he's what the Chiefs need in any sense and then after you go Sean I do have a follow-up question for you guys I was thinking about this earlier today we were playing in the podcast, just kind of going back and forth through text and whatnot. And I would absolutely trade for him if it's a Charvarius Ward situation. What I mean by that is Nikhil Harry is going to get cut. You have a guy on your roster who's going to get cut. Let's just flip-flop these guys and end up bringing in another a wide receiver. So, like, uh, an Andrew. So, a Jonathan Baldwin deal? <laughs> a Jonathan Baldwin for an A.J. Parker, a Parker Inger. A.J. Jenkins. It, it has there's there's a Parker involved somehow. So some way the Chiefs are getting somebody with the name Parker. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Devontae Parker is somehow getting traded to the Chiefs in this deal. It's going to be a three team deal, I guess. I don't know how Jacob ended up there, but I would take Devontae Parker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it would. But that in that. Yes. If it, essentially, yes. If it's junk for junk deal and you hope. Wait, wait, wait. You, don't, you don't see how I got there. We had AJ. Oh, it was AJ. It was AJ Jenkins, Jenkins. Not AJ Parker. Dang it. You know what? Sean, edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Leave it in. The people need to know we're human. <laughs> but like AJ, but like in that deal, it's, you know, again, exactly, Sam. So like the, the name that popped into my head was Andrew Wiley. Uh, Andrew Wiley is looking like he's going to be a numbers, you know, a, a cap casually just based on the volume of guards that they have that have now seemingly jumped ahead of him on the depth chart. One can pray, Sean. One can pray that he is. <laughs> but he's also one of the guys that you can save the most money by moving on from. So if it's that kind of a situation where it's, hey, we've got this guard who started in the Super Bowl 
is, is this a guy? He has some versatility. You can play him at tackle in a pinch if you really need to. You might want to chip on that side an awful lot if you do, but he can do it. What do you, would you what would you think of that for you know Nikhil Harry in this in that sense? At that point, I'd be all on board. If I have to give up draft capital compensation, I'm a little less inclined. If it was like a like Sam was saying, a seventh round pick, uh, sure. But I I would rather it being you know trash for trash, player for player, to try and bring in somebody and get a spark out of them at that point. So my question for you, Sean, is how do you, as Brett Veach, how do you sell Andrew Wiley to the Patriots? Do you say, here's the dollar store version of Tooney? <laughs> uh, no, you say Super Bowl starting right tackle, and you hope that they didn't watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> I would say, I would say he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a versatile guard. He can play left or right guard. In a pinch, he can play tackle. Just make sure you chip with a tight end or a running back on that side. You can get away with it for a game. And you don't have to commit to his salary beyond this year. It's And you, and you get rid of a guy who doesn't want to be there. That would be my pitch to the Patriots. Is My, my question back to him would be, or, or their concern would be, you know what, you'd probably be better off playing Nikhil Harry at right tackle than Andrew Wiley. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew Wiley. But, okay, here's my question back to you guys as far as this goes. Again, we all argue about what is the most important skill for a receiver to have. We all agree that, and we did this around draft time, that every ability of a receiver is important, you know, being straight line fast, the ability to get open, and then short interval speed. When does a receiver become a big receiver versus an undersized receiver? Because there seems to only be two of them. There's you don't hear people say like, oh, he's an average size receiver, really. It's only undersized, and that's a big receiver. It's weird because it's almost more of a play style aspect than it is overall size. Mm-hmm. Because there's there are guys that play really big, and you would I would immediately say, Man, that's a big receiver. And then you look at it, it's like He's what he's like six foot. What's I, th- I was thinking he's like six four. Uh, Cornell Powell is kind of that way. I think he plays a lot bigger than his six foot frame. It, it just I think it's just a it's a more of a skill set based comparison more than overall body size. To me, I know I'm skirting around your question, but it, it, I don't think there's a true answer to it because it just is how they play and what their overall skill or the skill level is in that kind of position as a whole i would say that i agree pretty much with everything sam said i do think the one caveat i'd say is in regards to play style if you have a guy who's rondell moore's size you know five six 200 pounds but he only has played x receiver in college then i'm going to be like okay he's probably not going to play x receiver in the nfl we're gonna have to teach him a new position for that to work because he's undersized for that that outside receiver type player. Now, I every now and again you get a Tyreek Hill who's 5'10, 5'9, and just the most athletic freak you've ever seen. Um, or even like a Steve Smith. Like Steve Smith wasn't huge, but just like Sam said, he's it didn't matter. His play style is like, I'm gonna go get that ball and I dare you to stop me. Again, I think a lot of it has play style. If he's if he's 6'4", 225, and he's used to running, you know, posts and and you know your flag routes, your straight line, your go routes, 
and you ask them to come play, you know, slants and digs and you know, hooks and things like that, or option routes from the slot, then then we might, and he doesn't have that short area quickness, then he's probably oversized for that position. But again, I think to Sam's point, a lot of it has to do with your style of play. And that's why I asked because the reason this one crossed my mind was when I was looking up stuff about Nikhil Harry, because I knew he was, he was a big receiver. This is a big receiver. Go get a big receiver. This is a bigger receiver because that's how people talk. I mean, again, I think what we're proving with a lot of these discussions is sports is really dumb and that's why we like it because it's easy enough for our brains science you know what i i can't help you there but i after i looked him up i was like oh yeah sammy watkins was also a big receiver he went and made catches i went and looked up i was like sammy watkins like six three six four nope six one and so it's funny you say the play style thing because I think that is what happens, but really it was just the adjective given to receivers that I was curious about, like we said, where it's like big receiver, undersized, big receiver. Well, and that, and that some is a, and this is maybe it would help with a lot of films, because I am, I'm with you, Sam. I have watched almost zero snaps in the kill Harry playing football. So it's not, it's a little hard for me to make a definitive, like, Oh, if you just did this, he'd be better. But his agent talked about how Nikhil Harry is, is you know, a, a be- best as a deep threat. He used a much more flattering term, like one of the best deep threats available. But, you know, he's his agent, so that's what he's going to do. But I would, I'd be interested to see how were you using Nikhil Harry in, in your offense with Cam Newton uh, at quarterback was he asked to run more slants? Was he asked to run more digs, option routes, things like that? Or were you allowing him to just run straight line routes or run a post or a flag route where it's, I'm going to run real fast one day, either just in a straight line, I'm going to run real fast in a straight line and I'm going to move one way or the other at one point during this route, whether it's 10, 15, 20 yards downfield. Time will tell. We'll see, depending on where he ends up and how they ask him to use. But I do wonder if you can get a guy like that and put him into a play style that fits him, um, especially if you're talking about him being a deep route and going to Patrick Mahomes, how much would that affect the production on the field? Obviously, injuries are still a part of it. He's started collectively 14 games, played in 21 over two seasons. It's His health is an issue, but... I do wonder if, if he can stay healthy and get into the right system that has a, a play style that suits him, would that allow for more production? I think that's, that's the, the million-dollar question when, when talking about these quote-unquote draft busts is when you put them in the correct situation, is, is their talent going to come out? Because just, just looking at, I mean, basic, his measurables, the things that I can look at without going and watching tape, and what you described is what his agents talked about. I mean, what you're describing is, is kind of like A.J. Green. Like, that's that's the way A.J. Green plays. He's, he's a tall receiver, but he's not a banger. Like, he just – he's a deep threat. So, if he – if he you bring him in and he somehow becomes even a fraction of what the good A.J. Green was, not the one that was broken down all the time, then you're, you're living life perfectly. But it's such a that, – that's where – the, in a trade like a play with a player like this, the compensation has to be so right because you're just banking on something changing, basically. And it's it's hard because with our our receiver core already, 
we've got our deep threat. In that in that sense, I'll even throw McCall Hardman in there. We've got deep threats. That's not what we need. We need receivers with other skill sets, basically. And that's that's a good reason why just adding on to why I wouldn't be too too inter- incredibly interested in trading for him because we've got what he what he offers basically at this point. And I think that might be the biggest reason I'll wrap it with this, that he doesn't end up in Kansas City as Pro Football Focus threw this tweet out. And I shared this with you guys before the podcast. And then Nikhil Harry has been open on just 25.5% of his targets against single coverage. So 25.5% of the time that he has been thrown to against one defender, no, no safety help, no double coverage of any kind, he's been open. That ranked 99th out of 100 qualifiers for that stat. So if you're talking about a guy who's going to shake a guy loose off the line of scrimmage or separate and and give a big window to Mahomes um, from the line, he might not be your guy, but we'll see. Let's move to the actual guys who are on the roster. And we wanted to take, do some too early prediction stuff. So obviously training camp hasn't even begun. We don't know who's going to be on the team but still wanted to give maybe some early predictions, starting with the Chiefs, then broadening to, to the NFL. And we wanted to start with your, who's going to be a surprise performer. Is there a player you think could make an impact for the Chiefs that no one's talking about, whether that be someone they picked up off the street, a free agent, UDFA draft pick, um, or somebody that they've had on the roster for a couple of years you think is ready to, to take a step forward? Um, Sam, I'll come back to you here on this one. Is there a player you think could be a surprise performer currently on the Chiefs depth chart? I think there's a couple, and it's hard because when we talk about when, – when you brought this question up, my immediate mind was like, oh, man, who have we not talked about? But I think your general question is who is the media not talking about? Because we, we've talked about a lot of the guys that I think could be that kind of player. So I'm actually going to go with one that it may be a cheat because we know how good he is. But Jaron Reed, man, I said it last year or last week. I think this is going to he is going to be one of the biggest non-talked about trades because it got like three days worth of play and then no one everyone forgot about it. I, I think he's gonna come in and and with the the situation with Frank Clark, obviously, that we talked about, um, and with Chris Jones likely having to move out to end, that he's going to have a huge impact because he's going to fill the Chris Jones role in that middle section so as far as again it might be kind of a cheat because we know what he is we're not looking at a rookie I'm not trying to compare him but I think that's going to be one of the most non-talked about impact transactions that happened this offseason I do like that one he definitely didn't get a whole lot of pub from even the local media Andy Reid brings it up all the time in his press conferences saying that he doesn't think Jaron Reed's getting enough run uh, even locally my guy is is another defensive tackle, but um, somebody the Chiefs drafted with a third-round pick, and that's Colin Saunders. The reason I'd say this is Colin got hurt last year, you know, been put on some excess weight that didn't need to have, you know, having a hard time keeping it off, being offensive or defensive lineman and being injured. It's a fine, fine line to, to walk when you're trying to keep on weight and keep on good weight, but you can't, you can't work out the same way. Colin Saunders is an athletic freak. He also had a tweet at the very beginning of this offseason really expressing his what, what sounded like 
disdain and frustration with being overlooked with all the other stuff going on with the Chiefs offseason, talking about how he's going to come ready to go. Um, I've, I've said for a long time, I think spite is a wonderful motivator, especially for athletes. And I think that because Colin Saunders is so athletic, because he is, I mean, we all saw the videos, videos of him playing running back in college and high school, doing backflips at 320 pounds. He's, he's freakishly athletic. And I think given a full healthy season with this coaching staff, with guys like Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo, and now seeing that like you need to bring your A game because they've got guys like a Jaron Reed, like a Tershawn Wharton, who are ready to take your job, you need to step up. So I think that Colin Saunders absolutely couldn't end up being a guy who's a surprise performer, maybe not a stud, um, obviously the way like a Chris Jones or anything like that is, or even what Jaron Reed's going to bring to the table. But I wouldn't be surprised if he had a Mike Dana, Tershawn Wharton type season where he's a big part of that rotation and makes impacts uh, randomly throughout the season. Jacob, what about you? Who's your guy that you think could be a, a surprise performer for the Chiefs this coming year? I like your Shauna Colin Saunders, somebody we haven't really talked about so far, but he did play a big role in the Super Bowl regular season of filling in when Chris Jones got hurt during the regular season and they threw him and Naughty in there constantly and those guys and then Mike Pinnell as well, but those guys did a nice job up the middle. I was kind of going between a couple guys. One I had was Mike Hughes, but I think he's on, like we've said already, a red shirt season. So ask me again this question next year and that's going to be my under talked about guy but the one who I think is actually really being undersold this year is somebody that was being overhyped last year and that's Clyde Edwards Hilaire the Chiefs have rebuilt this offensive line to be they've clearly went out to try to make it a nastier offensive line too of just guys that aren't as they're still technically sound but guys that do want to run guys over more than the previous linemen of Fisher and Schwartz were just great technicians and got in the way of guys didn't necessarily maul guys but I think this team is getting ready to run the ball and I do think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be a I'll just say probably a thousand yard rusher this year because I think there is going to be a lot more emphasis on it because they were all another thing they're probably looking into is you know what and we talked about this all season was the adjusting to Mahomes where teams would just sit back they had started to try to run the ball more but we're ineffective because of line play. And so this year they're like, if we're going to do this, let's do it the right way. And so that's mine because I don't think I've heard really that much about him other than people just being like, man, wasn't he kind of, he didn't really perform as much as I thought he would last year. And he didn't catch all those passes. I thought he was going to catch from the, <laughs> the slot receiver spot that we were all predicting. Obviously there's a flip side to the positive. And that's the negative. And I, we do want to, address that as well so we also wanted to talk about is there a player that you think is maybe getting too much run right now or is being overhyped then and being oversold for what they you think they might be able to do this year not that they aren't a good player maybe it's a draft pick maybe it's a free agent but obviously Andy Reid's system is notoriously difficult to jump right into Jacob will just flip this back around and, and come back to you for first this time Who's a player that you think is maybe being set up to underperform based on the hype that they're getting? All right. I've got two. Both of them are kind of half answers. So they add to one full answer. And I apologize up front. 
I apologize as well. So hopefully he's not uh, out there searching us like he was at one point. But McCole Hardman, man, I just can't get over it. I don't think he's going to be any better. And everybody's hyping him up that he's all pissed off this offseason. He's trying to get better, but you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I just don't – I don't see him – I don't think the mental part of the game will ever click for him. And I think that's really what holds him back. And I think we've talked about that. So I think that's why the little bit of hype that I've heard on him about playing with spite is not going to matter. Oh, sorry. And then my other one, because I, again, hesitate to crap on Cole Hardman since that seems to be the theme of our podcast, other than fighting with Sam, is... One, we, I we hate... only get one thing to agree on, Jacob, and it's McCall Hardman hatred. <laughs> it's true. No, Sam, we, we've clarified. I don't hate McCall Hardman. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and he knows. The other one I do kind of like, don't like saying, and that is Willie Gay is another one that I'm just not sure is going to live up to the hype because I hope Nick Bolton is so good that he – can basically just let Willie Gay run free and use his athleticism. But that just doesn't seem to really work out in the NFL for guys. There's the mental aspect of it is what breaks so many guys. And I worry about Willie Gay actually doing anything this year. I'll be honest. Uh, before we picked our guys for big breakout seasons, I almost picked McCole Hartman because I do think Spite's a great motivator. And I, I am interested to see what he's, what he's going to bring especially if they take them off for turn duty, but that's a whole nother podcast topic. Uh, Sam, uh, John, real quick, Kyle Davies worked a construction job in the off season to really get amped up for the season. <laughs> is a great workout. And if he'd been able to throw a fastball anywhere, but down the middle of the plate, it would have been fun. Sam, what about you? Who's a player that you think is getting too much hype right now that is maybe being oversold or, and being set up to, to not have as good a season as, as everyone is expecting. Man, this James Winchester guy is just <laughs> long snapping. I heard Jacob Allen's coming for a spot. So <laughs> no, but I mean, my my obvious one is is McCole Hartman. And again, I I honestly expect him to have a decent season this year, not because he got better, but because he's moving up the quote unquote chart as far as what of uh, Patrick Mahomes options. We don't have Sammy Watkins again. Sammy Watkins wasn't always there, but that's one less target. Now it depends on what guys like Byron Pringle and Cornell Powell do to, to kind of take those receptions away. But I, I expect Michael Hartman to have more yards. I, it would, if he doesn't, there's a bigger problem if he does not have more yards than he did last year. <laughs> but the one I'm, I'm going to choose may be a weird one. And I've kind of talked about it, but it, it, I talked about it last week and, and or I think last week. It's Chris Jones, and it's purely the move out to defensive end. Again, the, there's been a lot of talk about how exciting this is going to be, and it could, it could work well. I, I, very, very possible. I mean, Chris Jones is an amazing player, and he's, he's a very versatile defensive lineman in general. But it's just like what we said on previous podcasts, you don't get paid as the second highest defensive tackle to play defensive end. And I just, I mean, I think that you're going to see less of the Chris Jones effect coming off the edge that you, we typically see coming up the middle. So though I, I, this is not me saying, I think Chris Jones is going to have a bad season in any way. 
I just don't think the hype for him playing D end is necessarily warranted because we already know how good he is at defensive tackle. And I don't know if we need to try to change that. And that's, I guess I, I, and again, I could be completely wrong. If I'm wrong, that's great, but I I just, I can't see it. I I think it's being overhyped for that position change. And I think, I mean, if we were wrong about all of them, anybody that we mentioned here would be a great thing, but I I get your, your point is well taken, uh, especially when we're talking about a position switch to something you have not played in the NFL. I think that's a, a difficult thing. My guy is uh, a draft pick that I think is I have I've been hearing everywhere. Um, he he has made regular appearances like the last three weeks on Times Hours podcast with Josh Briscoe, Seth Kaiser, and Nate Taylor, and that's uh, Noah Gray. Noah Gray has been getting an awful lot of run. I mean, we've even talked about it. You know, he kind of moves like Kelsey. You hear that a lot. Like when you watch him run routes, he kind of he has that same kind of shape, the same kind of cut. And people are talking about, oh, you can split him out to the X. You can play him in the slot. You can play him in the H-back. He's going to have so many opportunities. And I'm just like, number one, he's a fifth-round pick, guys. Granted, he's it's it could be because he was at Duke and didn't have a great quarterback and the competition was low. There's all those things to consider. But he also played at Duke. The competition wasn't that great. He's a fifth-round pick. And as I mentioned before we started like talking about uh, Nikhil Harry or – talking about guys who are trying to come into Andy Reid's offense, it's a hard offense for receivers to pick up off the bat. There are a lot of complex routes where you don't just, it's not just Madden where it's, all right, the X button is running a slant. The Y button is running a post. Like it's, it's Travis Kelsey runs five yards and then pending on what the middle linebacker does has the option to sit down in the middle of the zone uh, can run an out route to the sideline. You know, there's there's so many variations on the assignments for a receiver that I worry that with all of the coverage that he's gotten, not through any fault of his own, but that people will be disappointed in his production simply because the expectations have been set at such a level that is not fair or realistic for a fifth round pick coming into an Andy Reid offense from Duke. I just I worry that the expectations from around Chiefs Kingdom are setting him up for a disappointing season, and not through any fault of his own. Yeah, and I think you actually bring up a really interesting point, uh, especially because the Chiefs have we've grown a lot of fans over the past couple of years that maybe are not as organic as as people who've been watching them since we had to deal with Jonathan Baldwin or later earlier than that, obviously. And a lot of times when with newer, newer NFL fans with people that haven't, that don't watch football a lot, don't understand the game a lot. They rely on the the sound bites sometimes to, to get their understanding of the game. And, and I think it's for like a guy like Noah Gray, it is slightly unfair because when professionals talk about, Noah Gray in the sense that he he plays like Travis Kelsey they're not saying he's Travis Kelsey a lot of times they're saying he's got similar aspects but what people who aren't listening to or don't understand the game necessarily super well they look at that and they're like oh my gosh we got another Travis Kelsey in the fifth round this is going to be great so when he goes out and is not Travis Kelsey they immediately are like this sucks this guy's terrible so I think guys like him get kind of, I mean, it, it happens every year. It, we, we, we compare players all the time on this podcast alone, 
Um, and but we kind of do it as a I think we look at it as they share similar skill sets. They can they kind of act the same or play the same in the same way. Not saying like when I say Cornell Powell plays like Anquan Bolden, I'm not saying he's Anquan Bolden. I'm saying he's a similar type player. <laughs> so that that's a good point. Is is the, the overhype sometimes isn't even on a level of like I they think they're going to be all stars. It's they're just comparing them to players and, and people take it in a completely different manner than it was necessarily meant. Right. It goes back to play style. Like you mentioned before, this guy plays like Anquan Bolt. This guy plays like Travis Kelsey in terms of how he runs routes, his physicality, the athleticism, et cetera. But people take that and assume it means production. You know, seeing, you know, McCole Hartman is a good example where his first year, I would say was a really good rookie season for a, a fourth wide receiver coming into play slot and be gimmicky, you know, six touchdowns and 500 yards. Like that's, that's not bad, but again, remembering that like, he's not Tyreek Hill, you know, people, people put that expect expectation on him. He's not DK Metcalf. He's again, stylistically, he's not going to play an X receiver. And then you, you know, compound it with the things that come with rookies and, and second year players and the mental mistakes that come with that for the majority of players in the league. And I think it sets people up for disappointment for guys like that. I worry about that with a guy like Lucas Niang too. A guy who is a lot of Chiefs fans proclamation to come and save the right side of the offensive line. Now that Mitchell Schwartz is gone. It's like, Oh, it's fine. We have Niang. And it's like Niang has not played an NFL snap yet. So let's, let's pump our brakes a little bit and, and let these guys settle in to see what we have before we start putting the expectations of he doesn't just move like Travis Kelsey. He, we expect him to be Travis Kelsey. Let's just let him move like Travis Kelsey and see how that fits within the offense. Sticking with the too early to predict theme, but taking a more national viewpoint of it, we did want to give our too early to predict predictions for who is going to make the playoffs this year uh, in the NFL. Obviously, you have some idea of what these rosters are going to look like, you know, once free agency and the draft are over, you have obviously maybe some surprise cuts along the way, but for the most part, the rosters, you have a general idea of what they're going to look like. So we wanted to go and do a, a, a first take dive into who do we think are the division champs? And then maybe we'll give wild cards. We'll see how this goes. So Jacob, I'll come back to you here to start things off. Let's start in the AFC East, who do you think is going to take that division on the AFC side? All right. Uh, in, in fear of being too boring, and because I do believe in them a little bit, <laughs> that's a lot of confidence. I believe in them a little bit. <laughs> Imagine me saying that in my classroom, I believe in you a little bit. <laughs> I don't think you're going to pass this test, but I also don't think you're going to get a zero anyway sorry i've had a lot of poor attempts at humor tonight anyway uh i'm actually going to go with the dolphins here i think they might just eke one past the bills i think the bills are due for a little bit of a letdown i don't see any big move the bills made i think the bills are paying the success tax this next year of like we've seen with the chiefs where you know an average guy ends up costing you more money than you wanted to pay him. I think the bills are dealing with that. So they didn't, they were much like the chiefs. They can't go out and make big free agent splashes. 
then I do believe in Tua, and I, that Dolphins roster just seemed to be pretty well built top to bottom. Sam, what about you? AFC East, who do you got in that in that division? I kind of – I'm somewhat with Jacob as far as I do think it's going to be a closer race than it was last year, again, still only about a three-game split. But I, I do think the Bills still take it this year. I, I don't think – again, it's not going to be spectacular. I don't think Josh Allen is going to come out and light the world on fire and everyone believe he's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think Buffalo – still gets this division by by just a little bit. I'm with you, Sam. I, I like Miami. Spoiler alert, they're one of my wild card picks, and I do think it'll be close. But I I do think that Josh Allen is due for a regression, but I think even if he regresses based on the numbers that he had this past season, I think that they'd still be enough to get them to the top of that division. I don't expect really anything from the rest of that that division in the East. Um, I think it's pretty much going to be a two horse race with the bills and the dolphins. And we'll see if the Patriots can do anything to not struggle. Let's move now to the AFC North. This one I think is a little more interesting to me. I had a little bit of a harder time picking it. Um, Sam will loop back around to you here. Who do you have in the North? The only thing that's hard about this is, is Aaron Rodgers playing? And is he playing for the Packers? I I still think it's a Packers division. Did we Even, jump conferences? I'm just curious to make sure. Oh, I'm you said AFC North. Sorry, I was okay. Ready. I just wanted to make sure for myself because, like, you know, I'm cool with jumping conferences. <laughs> I, I heard NFC at least for some 30 reason. minutes of a head up. <laughs> That's my fault. You're good. All right, AFC North. Excuse me. <laughs> so with AFC North, I think it, it is a close one. I I honestly could see. Almost all four of the teams win, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm going to do something that I didn't think I'd do, and I think Baker's going to push them over. I, I think the Browns are going to take this division, again, a close one. I don't think it's going to be anybody blowing anybody out of the water, but I do think that I think the Browns might get it this year just with their balanced offense and, and still a pretty dominant defense outside of a couple weak spots here and there. But So I'll go with the Browns with it. I will um, hopefully take away the aspect of being boring and say I also picked the Browns. Just I love the two-back set with Kareem and Chubb. I think you have a, a rare opportunity to not lose a ton of production, uh, whoever is in there, and have the opportunity to keep both guys healthy, which I think is key for Baker in that offense. If, OJ, if uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. comes out and is, is even 80% of what he was, you pair that with Jarvis Landry and and that defense, I think, is is one of the better ones in the AFC. I just think all the pieces around Baker are, are too good to let him truly fail. And so I do see him taking a step forward and, and pushing them over the edge. Um, so I, I went with the Browns as well. Jacob, what about you? Who do you have in the AFC North? I do think the Ravens are also kind of paying that luxury tax with, you know, losing Ndokwe and – other players on their team that that escaped my mind at this point I'm taking the stance that they believe again that they're a running football team how do I know because they signed a receiver that won't play more than four games than this then for them this season and we'll be forced to run the ball once Sammy Watkins goes down in game three and then is out until week 15 and those four I, games are going to be spectacular though <laughs> they are they are Harbaugh's 
good enough of a coach that I think he, and again, this is me taking a leap of faith, that he will say, we are a running team. That's what got us to be successful. All right. And to round out the non-Chiefs <laughs> takes that we have here, uh, AFC South. Um, again, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's a, maybe a little more clear cut than uh, the North is, um, but we'll get your guys' takes here. Um, Jacob, what about you? Who do you have taken that division? Yeah, this one was not tough. It's going to be the Titans again. They have a very safe, consistent way of playing football. Sam, what about you? Are you with Jacob on that Derrick Henry train? Yeah, for the most part, yes. I think it could be if you get the Wentz or the should have been MVP season before he got hurt, Carson Wentz, you might have a little bit more of a, an interesting conversation on your hands, but as of the Carson Wentz we know from the past two years, it's the Titans still kind of run over this division, pun intended. <laughs> I do. I'm with you guys. We're going to be boring on this one, but I think it's the Titans. I, I'm with you. I think Carson Wentz makes it a little more interesting um, than Phillip Rivers, but I also think that it has a chance to get real boring real quick if Carson Wentz goes down. So I'm, I'm sticking with the Titans. I think Julio Jones brings a whole new dynamic on the outside again and, and just opens up more opportunities for Derrick Henry. And then the AFC West, this one's a barn burner. Uh, I'm assuming we're all taking the Chiefs. Sean, it's, it's the offseason. We're supposed to take the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Yes, the entire world's supposed to take the Chargers and then act like they're not surprised at all when uh, Andy Reid and the Chiefs come out and, and take the division, no issues. <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think the real intrigue is coming up to see if any of us believe in anybody else may have to West for wild cards. Right. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of, let's quickly give our wild cards before we jump over to the NFC. Uh, I took my hand a little bit earlier. I said the Dolphins. Uh, I also had the Ravens. I do think they give it another hurrah in, in that division. You know, Lamar Jackson, I think, is poised for a bounce back. So I still think they're a playoff team. And then uh, to, to show my hand, Jacob, on do I believe in the AFC West? I believe in them enough to pick them as a wild card. So I think that uh, it'll be Chargers, Ravens, uh, and the Dolphins. Um, what about you, Jacob? All right. You know what? I went so in-depth on this one. I have seeds. So we had the Chiefs taking number one. The Ravens with a bounce-back year. They're going to be challenging the Chiefs again. Titans with their safe play at three and four, apparently, on my uh, very well-done list. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, just pretend like it didn't happen. But you know what? You only asked me for wild cards, so – First off, I had the Bills, who just barely got beat out by the Dolphins. Uh, as a insight thing here, the Bills swept the Dolphins last year in head-to-head matchups. Their first one, they won by three. And then their second one, they won by 30. And that was the Week 17 game against them. So uh, hopefully, come on, Dolphins, don't make me look too bad. And then I had the Browns as the six, since I didn't have them winning that division either. And then I believe in Carson Wentz enough just to get them into the playoffs. The other team I did entertain for the last wildcard spot was the Bengals, but that would give me three AFC North teams. And then the math just typically doesn't work out to get three teams from the same division. They typically just beat up on each other so much that number one, it kills their record. And then number two, it kills their roster. And then they don't go beat down the rest of the AFC because that's what has to happen. Sam, what about you? Who are your wildcards for the AFC? So I'm probably going to be different to an extent than you guys because I'm actually not putting an AFC North team in 
the wild card. I, I think Browns are the only ones. And Jacob's point is almost exactly why, because I think that division is going to be so competitive that it's going to, I mean, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a rough, rough set of games. I mean, uh, six games total with those, with each team. So mine are going to be chargers. I, I do think, I mean, Justin Herbert impressed me a lot last year. And I, that team's just always been, they should be better than they always are. <laughs> That's how their team is always designed to be better than they are. So before Sam, I have a quick question for both of you guys before we get too far. Did you guys see the chart that Seth Kaiser put out about quarterbacks in the pocket and under pressure? Uh-huh. It, if this is a, so for anybody listening, if you did not see it, go check out Seth Kaiser's. He makes a bunch of these graphs of under pressure versus in the pocket. Herbert's was insane to look at because he was really good under pressure, but then in the pocket was very mediocre to not great. So it's just interesting to see that somebody could be so good getting hit constantly behind that terrible offensive line, but then not get in the pocket. I'm just saying that's the reason I didn't choose the chargers. Cause I feel like there's going to be the, you're not a rookie anymore. Lens on Herbert. It's a good, I mean, it's a good, set i just think i mean i think he's a good player and i think he's i'm gonna go with the chargers on that i um, like i like what you're i like what you're saying jacob but you're, wrong. you're exactly 100 percent wrong isn't it? <laughs> my next one i i'm giving it to him patriots are making the playoffs this year Ooh, um, i like that one bill is i mean the guy can't have too many losing seasons in a row that it just doesn't work and he has his defense back which all of them opted out last year. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say the Patriots make the playoffs again this year. And that's, this is the hard one. My third one's a hard one because I'm between the Colts and the Dolphins. And I don't like the idea of having three teams again from the same division because you're going to be beat up. You're going to be banging on each other. So screw it. Chargers, Dolphins, Patriots. I'm just, I'm just going to throw them all out there. Let's... Oh, I like it. Oh, I like it. I like that a lot. That's bold. Let's flip over to the NFC now and get our, our takes on that side of the ball. We'll start with the what NFC. What are yours, Sean? You didn't give us your – I thought I went first, didn't I? Did you go first? Dolphins, Ravens, Chargers? My bad if oh, I did yeah, that's right. Dolphins, Ravens, I just don't pay attention to you most of the time. That's, you're a lot healthier that way. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I say you, you definitely – I think we worked it out of you even before we got to them, so <laughs> – Let's flip over to the NFC side of things. We'll start with the NFC West this time. And uh, Sam, will come back to you first on this one. Who do you have coming out of the NFC West? Russ is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, best quarterback in that division, so Seattle. Jay, what about you? Are you of the same mindset, or is this finally the year someone can bump Russell off of his throne? I'm being really optimistic, and I shouldn't have done it twice, but I'm actually going to take the Rams here. But I believe in Matt Stafford to actually win games and not just put up massive stats. I uh, like the Matt Stafford trade. I don't like it enough to move Seattle off of the top spot. I still think Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson, and they've just got so many weapons. They added Dwayne Eskridge, who was a receiver I liked um, in, in coming out of the draft. Uh, Stone Forsyth, our favorite left tackle in the middle rounds is there. So I uh, just, I really, really pulling, pulling for him. And I, I just think all the weapons that Russ has, he's going to be great. And Bobby Wagner is still one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Defying I think the, the true key to winning, if, they, if they're going to win this division, it has to be Stone Forsyth walking into Pete Carroll's office, as we said, and say, I can't run block. So we've got, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, 
I don't have that. We just have to pass. <laughs> I mean, at which point Russell breaks all of the records. All right, let's move to the uh, NFC East, um, and we'll give our spots there. Jacob, who do you have coming out of the East? Uh, because they're required to have a team win the division again. Again, this is the crap division of the NFC still. It's going to be the Cowboys. I mean, not because they're overly great, but because everyone else really sucks in that division. I know that's not very good uh, analyzing anything, but it's going to be the Cowboys. Sam, what about you? Who do you have coming out of the East? I, I mean, I think the Cowboys are the easy answer just because, with, I mean, I think they're the most complete team. But, again, they're going to be relying on a lot of rookies on that defense, and that's a big aspect of, of contention. You know, I'm going to go with the Giants. Saquon Barkley's coming back. The I think could be the best running back in the NFL. I do think their defense is good, and though Daniel Jones trips on grass when he tries to run, I, I think with a the, one of the best running backs in the game, you can kind of work around a player like that. So I'm just I'm gonna go contrary and and go with the Giants just for just for fun. Honestly, honestly, it's who cares in that division. Jacob was right that one of them has to make it, so I might as well choose one that most people won't choose. Let me let me butt in on Sam's answer real quick and say, Sam, I hear what you're saying, and I'll, I'll take that into consideration. But Saquon Barkley better be able to throw the football. He can. I was going to say, he's he's, done it. he might. <laughs> I actually, I'll be honest, Sam, I almost picked the Giants. It was down to them and the team I ended up picking, um, which was not the Cowboys. Um, I do I do think it's going to – I want to see Dak play because the Cowboys didn't really do anything to add to the protection in front of him. They went all defense. And you're bringing back a quarterback coming off a severe injury. And, yes, he has weapons to throw to, but who's going to block for him? He's not Russell Wilson in terms of his elusiveness. So that made me a little nervous to pick the Cowboys. I almost went with the Giants, but I ended up settling on the Washington football team again. I really like all of the pieces on that team outside of quarterback. And you don't believe I in Fitzmagic? Like Fitzpatrick just enough to think that he would get them to the playoffs. I love Terry McLaurin. I really like Curtis Samuel. Antonio Gibson is a terrific running back. Their defense bookended with Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the ends is is a really good defense. I just – and it's a really good front four, I should say. I just really – the pieces are there. It's just how good can Fitzmagic be and how long can he be good for and I think he could be good enough, long enough in that division to get them to a title. All right, NFC North. And Sam, I'll come back to you here on this one. Who you got coming out of the North of the NFC? Yeah, so it again, it does come down to whether Aaron Rodgers plays or not. I do think the Packers are still the best team in, even without Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to just wager that he is playing for the Packers this year. And I think they're, they'll sweep the division pretty easily. Jacob, what about you? Uh, do you think the Packers keep their hold or do you see something different happening in the future? Yeah, I've got nothing exciting here. It's going to be Packers. Aaron Rodgers is an egomaniac, so he will not enjoy people not talking about him. So he will come play. 
I will also not uh, be interesting, and I will pick the Packers as well for the North. Uh, last, before we get to the wild cards of the NFC, the South and our uh, much-hated Buccaneers coming out of that division last year, a team that we all despise now, uh, being led by Tom Brady. Uh, but, Jacob, do you think that they have enough to repeat in that division, um, or do you see someone coming to take that mantle? Uh, I think Tom Brady is, again, one of the best – game the gamers ever because Tom Brady realized that the AFC East was no longer going to be his division. And he went and found the AFC East and the NFC East because that division's absolute garbage as well. The NFC, man, I picking these teams made me realize that not, not the greatest kind of top heavy, but I guess you could say about the AFC as well, but, but yeah, I I'm, it's going to be the box just again, because there's weak division. And I say repeat, I do mean more along the lines of Super Bowl. If you remember, they were actually a wild card because the Orleans won that division. But uh, I was about to to call you out on Sean. Oh, ah. good catch. Just just to make sure people knew what I was talking about. I do know New Orleans won that division. The yeah, the Bucks are going to win that division again. I think everyone else has gotten worse, bar the Panthers potentially. But the Panthers have not done near enough to rival the Buccaneers. Yeah, I can't offer up anything different. I just think the Buccaneers are definitively the best in that division now that Drew Brees is gone. It's it's them and everybody else. It's very much like Tom Brady's run with the Patriots. It's them and everybody else. So who do you guys have? for wild cards this is where i think it can get a little interesting because you got some teams that maybe went six and ten uh that now maybe for injury reasons or just youth reasons didn't perform this the way you might think that have an opportunity to make some real jumps forward uh so i think the wild cards in the nfc could be really interesting um sam who do you have coming in uh, taking the wild card spots uh, in the nfc yeah, you don't realize how bad the NFC's gotten until you do something like this and have to think about who's actually going to make it in. I will say, I think it's going to be again. I, again, I think obviously the Cowboys are going to be better with Dak, so I, I would say the Cowboys will obviously, I think, would be be able to make the playoffs as a wild card. And then it's it's got to be the Rams, obviously. I think the Rams are the second best or third. I would say third best team in that division. Um, outside the Seahawks and, and Packers, just because of quarterback play for those guys. The Rams have a much better team, um, but the quarterback play just is so, so barringly different. And then finally, I think you're going to have to throw in another one of the uh, NFC West teams. And I, I'll, I'll just go with the 49ers. Um, again, six and 10 off a lot of injuries. Um, they still have a, a, a pretty solid roster that we've seen. I mean, go very far and it'll kind of depend again, what their quarterback situation ended up being, if they stick with Garoppolo or if they move on, but I, I think it'll be, so I'll go Rams, Cowboys, 49ers. I'll go ahead and go next here. Uh, I have the 49ers as well. Just all the points you said, Sam injury riddled when Garoppolo's healthy, that team seems to play well. And I think if he played and if he does go down this year, you've got, you know, the young quarterback coming up behind him will get to see what, what they can do there. You end up have, I also picked the Rams. I, like I said earlier, I really like Matt Stafford. I don't like him enough to pick against Russell Wilson, but the rest of that team is just so good. Um, especially on defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you've, you've, 
you've got some real studs in key places. And I think that receiving core is really underrated um, for the Rams. And then my last one was actually the Arizona Cardinals. I haven't gotten to watch him as much as I would want, but I really like Kyler Murray, Murray's upside uh, an awful lot. And I think DeAndre Hopkins is a legitimate number one receiver to where you're not relying on a guy like AJ, AJ Green to come down and secure it. You're just hoping that you get whatever's left out of him. I think Rondell Moore can be a really nice jigsaw piece for you. Um, and we'll see what, what he's able to come out of with that. Um, and then if James Conner can be healthy at running back, him uh, tandem with him and Chase Edmonds in Arizona, I think looks really, really nice. Um, Jacob, what about you? Who do you have um, coming out of the uh, NFC for the wild card spots? So I, I had the Seahawks losing the division and I have them as the top wild card. Again, I'm making my exciting, surprising picks based on coaching, I think here of just, you know, what McVay was a genius and now he's, wasn't a genius after Jared Goff wasn't as good again. And then 49ers, I love Kyle Shanahan. Again, he'll be the Chiefs coach in a couple of years here once he gets fired with the Niners. And then I chose between two teams and I had a lot of similar thoughts to you guys too about the Cardinals. I was like, this is where they would get in is in that last seed. But you're looking at a couple bounce back candidates on this one. And that would be the Bears who actually have acquired a quarterback. I just don't believe in them giving Fields enough time to become the starter and get them good enough. So I actually am going to go with the Vikings here instead just because Kirk Cousins is just good enough. All right. Well, there are predictions. So book them and when, you know, injuries and cuts and surprises happen, you can tell us how wrong we were uh, coming down the road. Last topic for tonight. We had a lot of fun with the games we've been playing here to this point um, that Jacob's kind of come up with. And he threw another one out there. This has absolutely nothing to do with anything else that we've talked about or anything going on in the NFL. Just thought it would be fun to do a player comp game. Well, who's who uh, with a player's careers for two guys who kind of played the same position for the Chiefs. The Chiefs constant search before they found Tyreek Hill to get a Tyreek Hill type. And that is who's who Dexter McCluster versus DeAnthony Thomas and Jacob, I'm going to turn it over to you. You kind of give us your, your uh, parameters for the game and we'll get started. Okay. So here's the parameters for our game. And here's the reason this came up is because somebody posted a video of DeAnthony Thomas on Twitter and said something along the lines of man was supposed to be the next Tyree kill. So nice job, Sean. I told everybody on our podcast, don't look up any stats about these guys. Now, I will be Fort right here, and we did talk about Dexter McCluster early in the season and look at his numbers. Sam, we, go ahead. Sorry, what did the tweet say? Did it say man was supposed to be the next Tyreek Hill? That's or he was, that. or Tyreek Hill was, he was basically supposed to okay. be like Tyreek Hill. I want to find this tweet to ensure that he did not say the next Tyreek Hill. Tyree Hill. Oh, I hope not. I don't have tweets, but I will tweet. <laughs> because that is because he's older than him. You know? yeah. He was in the league 10 years before Tyreek Hill even started. Oh my God, he really was. Okay, so all, all I want to ask is who was better, Dexter or DeAnthony, without looking up anything? I, just based on what do you remember, basically? I'm going to say Dexter because I, my recollection, I think he was a better returner. And that is what I'm basing off of these two because that's all they were. They were not offensive players. They were returners. So Dexter McCluster. 
my my knee jerk reaction was Dexter McCluster as well. Um, I both of them had I, I seem to remember like early on in their careers had big punt slash kickoff returns for touchdowns that made everyone go, oh, we found the Dante Hall replacement, and then you know went on to be just average at at returning and and then very very mediocre to not good on offense. But I do seem to remember Dexter McCluster more on like screen plays and, and shallow routes and things like that than I do DeAnthony Thomas having the opportunity to do things like that. So I would go out on a limb and say Dexter McCluster. Yeah, and me not looking up anything other than right this second to just pull things up, my impression was I remember Dexter McCluster getting more stuff and things designed for him in the offense, but it was pre-Andy Reid. So it wasn't that exciting. And then as far as Chiefs career goes, who had the better Chiefs career, I feel like D'Anthony Thomas was around for a little bit longer. So I'm actually going to say D'Anthony Thomas was the better player because the Chiefs kept him around because they found him more useful than Dexter. But, uh, Sean, follow-up question to you. I can remember Dexter McCluster's big return. It was the rain in the rain against the Chargers. I was at the game, but I was not in the audience. I was like sitting in a concession stand line or sitting in the tunnel, I think. I don't remember what it was. And we just heard the roar like, oh man, what was DeAnthony Thomas's big return that you can remember? See, that's the problem is I don't remember the team. I remember him taking a hit and spinning off of it. And I just remember thinking, like, a guy that small shouldn't be able to take that hit being, you know, I was, I can't remember exactly how old I was at the time, but I remember him taking a hit and just spinning, and he took off. It might have been the Raiders. It was like the Raiders and the Bengals. It was not a good team. And <laughs> and he just found a way to get to the end zone. I think it was a punt return because um, he did take a hit, spin off, and just keep going. <laughs> okay, so first fun fact, Anthony Thomas, uh, pro football reference, doesn't even list his rushing and receiving it just lists punt returns only. Oh, but I told you. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Here, here's Dexter's offensive numbers. He career numbers. He played four years with the Chiefs, and then I think they just didn't re-sign him. And then he went to Tennessee and San Diego. Or sorry, Tennessee for two years. I, I remember those years. And then San Diego for apparently uh, two yards. But his his career why this is rushing, I suppose, is. 1,000 and two rushing touchdowns. His receiving was, he almost had 2,000 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. So clearly the better offensive player. Kick returns, punt returns, he had three punt return touchdowns and no kick return touchdowns. And then DeAnthony Thomas, so to try to dispel my thing with, he was around with the Chiefs longer. He was with the Chiefs for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. Uh, in only half of a year, that final one. But again, his his rushing and receiving were so illustrious that they went ahead and just told us he had 65 receptions for 509 yards and four touchdowns. So Dexter McCluster was clearly the better NFL player in a sense. Uh, and then D'Anthony Thomas returns no no kick return touchdowns, one punt return touchdown that was in his rookie year. Not sure who it was for, but that's that I just wanted to like I couldn't actively remember who was better other than just being like I know Dexter had a season or two so what you're saying is out of the two of them Dexter McCluster has the better chance to become the next Tyreek Hill yes yes one out of the two guys Dexter McCluster is the next Tyreek Hill (laughs) but 
I find it, and and this is just, it's interesting to me because the Chiefs have always had, and I'm sure all in every NFL fandom says this about their team, but the Chiefs have always had, I would say, four different player types that are always on the roster. Doesn't matter what. We have a white safety. That's okay, but not great. We've got a really fast guy that we think should be a good wide receiver. It just ends up being a, a kick returner until Tyreek Hill came around. We have a dreaded cornerback a, a with dreads that Sam hates and somebody else. I don't know. You pick the next one, but, but that there always seems to be, and they all kind of overlap into each other. Why I couldn't remember John McGar- McGraw last week is because I thought he was Daniel Sorensen. Well, prior the, the fourth archetype, Sam, prior to Chris Jones, being a success is an SEC defensive lineman who does not perform at all. Fair play. Okay. I, I, sorry. I, you had to scroll down to find Anthony Thomas's rushing and receiving a little bit of a shocker here. D'Anthony Thomas and Dexter McCluster had the same amount of career rushing touchdown yard or rushing touchdowns. They both had two. I think that's a great summary of both guys career. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you sticking with us. Uh, You guys stay safe out there. Until next time, we will talk to you next week.